Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. My guest this week is an old friend who uh, uh, has been out of town for a while, and I thought we would catch uh, up and see what's been going on with David Zack, who a lot of people remember as the the director and artistic director at uh, Bailiwick Repertory for many years. Hello, David. Hi, Tom. Tell us what you've been up to. Well, I most recently, uh, since I left the Bailiwick in 2009, I have been gone back to my roots as a teacher, and so I've continued my work uh, not only here at Roosevelt in Chicago and some of the local uh, work with some of the local high schools and middle schools, but I just came back from Seoul, South Korea, where I was on the faculty for the Korean National University of the Arts for the fall semester last year, and it was a tremendous experience in every way. Wow, you got to tell us about that. I mean, my first obvious question is, uh, you, you, I assume you directed a play. I did. Yeah, was so it in English, in Korean, or tell us how that works. <laughs> sure. I mean, I have no idea. Well, it's, you know, I've been dealing with translators a lot in my life because I did many of the plays in sign language at the, at the Bailiwick with our Deaf Bailiwick Artist Program. So, so this play and the classes that I had, I had a, a translator uh, with me. In the classes, I had a, uh, a professional translator. I was teaching contemporary theater classes, and so we talked about a lot of different things. We watched some videotape of the old bailiwick, uh, Jerry Springer, the opera, uh, on, in my class, and the students really appreciated that because many of those words need no translation. Oh, yeah. yeah that was a great <laughs> show. Yeah. But, uh, but then in my, in my rehearsals, I had student translators, and they did really pretty well. It's, it's, hard, uh, it's hard work to be a translator. Um, but the more I was in in Seoul and, and sort of immersed in this culture, uh, the more comfortable I got with the little Korean that I knew. And I could tell that my students who had studied English probably in middle school uh, but had not used it, had not had reason you know, to use it, were getting more and more comfortable as they went along. Uh, so it was a production of A Doll's House, uh, but it was uh, done with, a Korean, with Korean students and, a, and uh, performing in Korean. It was very exciting. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was really terrifying in some ways it was really difficult but in the end really a gratifying experience for me now uh were there any uh, americans in the audience i'm just curious like when we saw the the, the russians brought a group into uh, chicago shakespeare a while back and they did uh, one of the checkoff plays and after a while you stopped reading the translation because you got it you know you right. knew it was good even if you didn't know the story exactly did that happen in your production yeah, I think we had a lot of, well, Seoul has a really big um, English-speaking community. Uh, there, there's a huge respect for professors and a huge uh, hunger for English material uh, at the university level and in the theaters across the city. There's uh, 500 theaters in Seoul, which I did not know before. 500? 500. It's a huge, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge uh, part of Korean culture. And, and in those 500 are traditional things like Billy Elliot and a lot of the touring shows. So Seoul is a big destination city for many of the American tours. They understand that, that the South Korean market is very, very, um, uh, you know, uh, important to the, any of the Asian tours. See, most of us just thought it was Japan. I know, exactly. But Seoul is huge. So Seoul, so when I was there, Anthony Rapp was there doing his one-person show. There were other uh, American tours that were sort of going through town on a regular basis. But in addition to those sort of things, which would be, you know, like the equivalent of our Broadway and Chicago sort of events, there's also about 15 major uh, institutions which are fully supported by the state or the city that are sort of, uh, you know, Goodman-sized 
uh, and they do they tend to do traditional culture, traditional Korean musicals, traditional historical musicals. And then, in addition to that, there are there are this hundreds of other theaters. It's considered very prestigious uh, for people who are building office towers to have a theater complex or theater space in their tower because it brings people to their restaurants and to their their bars and their stores. So there are many now these small, like 300 to 500 seat theaters in in tower, you know, in office complexes across the city. Boy, how can we bring that mentality here? Isn't that great? Yeah. It, it totally makes sense. When, sure. You know, you just need to have, you know, 5,000, 8,000 square feet, whatever it is. To, you know. But then in addition to that, there's one area of the theater uh, of the city, uh, Heiwa, is the subway stop. And when you get out of the subway, there is a small um, half-price booth, like ours, or like in New York, the TKTS booth. And so just going into that is amazing because within a 10-square-block area, there are 190 theaters uh, that each have between 150 and 300 seats, all within this 10-square-block area. And they draw an audience? It's crazy. You know, wow. The, the streets are wide enough for a car to pass through, so it's literally almost all pedestrian traffic, bars. You know, it's the spot for young people to go. So there's street performers, there's bars, there's restaurants, and at curtain time, you can imagine <laughs> thousands of people, you know, scurrying down these really small, narrow streets to get to get to theaters. And, and many of them are brand new, but like everything in Seoul, they sort of go upward. So it might be two or three or four or five theaters stacked on top of each other. Uh, and, and rel- you know, really nice facilities, you know, really great balconies and bars and things as you go up. How different is the traditional theater? I assume you got to see some of it. Well, the traditional theater, you know, has, it goes back to this, you know, thousand year history of Korea. It's, it was very interesting to be in a culture that was so old. Um, so, so using the traditional music, the symbols and the, and, and, and all, all the stuff that's that old and the traditional costuming, all that stuff is, is really important. Um, and, and also really important for tourism. So they have things at the palaces. There's many, many historical palaces throughout Seoul. Is it and similar so, to Japanese at all, to like uh, Kabuki, or just to n- give us a frame of reference? Not, no? not Kabuki, I think, is really particular because of the makeup and the, and the look of it. Okay. This is just, I, so I saw a, a, a Tempest, by the way, you know, for example, mm-hmm. I saw a Tempest done in traditional Korean style. So it's, as you were talking about, the Russians at Chicago Shakes. It's clearly the same story that Shakespeare used. But it's being performed, uh, you know, with Korean costumes, and there's certain elements of, of uh, you know, more physical theater than we would have, and and uh, and, and music is a, a really big part of it. So drumming, uh, you know, those things that we typically associate with historical Asian culture are a big part of are a part of that. But also, there's a huge drive in Korea to write their original musicals. So there is a big, big move towards musicals, new plays. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that Haywa district that I was speaking of, things run forever. So a show like Thrill Me, which Bailiwick had done, which is the Leopold and Loeb. Yeah, show. yeah, that was a really good show. Yeah, it's a great show. Yeah. But it's been running in Seoul for seven years. Wow. Yeah. So and, if you're a, if you're a producer and you're looking for a, you know, for a, or a writer, you want to have a little, little income. Exactly. Get That's a show going show. there. This yeah, is amazing. I, this has got to be one of the great secrets. I've never seen anyone. Talk or write about it. So I'm getting an exclusive here. Get a, get yeah. get on the plane. Get go see it. Wow. Uh, yeah. So many of the shows, like uh, Proof, you know, there have been many, many things. So when you're in these small areas, you see American plays that have just been running. Illegally Blonde was there. You know, just running and running and running and running because the audience is very much uh, a younger 
uh, it's it's the thing to do for young women if they have a girls' night out, they go see shows. So the audiences are very young. Uh, you know, contrary to our audiences, which can be uh, skewed on the opposite level. Oh yeah, our but audiences the, are old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when <laughs> I go to an opening, and I'm one of the youngest ones there, <laughs> exactly. and I'm in my sixties. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so I I love that energy. I love seeing the young women there. You, you know, it's a little bit different at the opera houses or at the traditional Korean theater venues, which play to older, older crowds, but all the small commercial uh, venues or not, uh, you know, for-profit venues really have, have a lot of young people in the audience, which is, which is great. So yes, if you have a show uh, like Thrill Me or something, which, which relates to the Korean audience in one way or the other, uh, it can just run and run and run and run. And uh, it's great, I think. And, and, and I got introduced to it by Will Kern, who, who your listeners will probably Remember is the guy who wrote Hellcab and just had Kid Sister, sure, which was uh, you know a, a big thing here in town. So Will lives there, and he was the one who sort of introduced me to to the idea of going there. And the university that I taught at um, brings international directors and professors uh, every year to to work with the kids. So that so this year was their Chicago year, and, and I was really happy to be able to make the trip. Tell us about the talent of first, like. Young Korean writers, what kind of things are they writing about? And then the talent level, you know, did you find some really uh, gifted students? Yeah, this, it's a different mentality in a lot of ways. Uh, Korean men all go into the Army for two years, um, not by choice. <laughs> so so my students were a little bit older than students you would have here in America. Um, and there's also an interesting uh, cultural phenomenon because the families stay together. So all my students were living at home still. Uh, and uh, you, you stay pretty much living at home uh, until you get married, and then your, your parents buy you a house and get and get it furnished for you, and then that, then they're done with their responsibilities. They for buy you. you a house, or you know, or a condo, <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that's not so, bad. Yeah, exactly. So so at one point in my rehearsals for a dollhouse, I tried to get one of these actors to talk about the jobs. I was like, you know, do you, have you ever had a job? Worked in a restaurant? Worked in the in a gas station, he was like, no, I'm an actor. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, that's all, you know, I was trained as an actor, I will become an actor, and I am an actor, and that's all I do. So so that was really interesting to me, and and, and I ex- tried to express to them how, how uh, you know, how different that is from America, where people are struggling, where all my kids at Roosevelt are going right from rehearsal to, you know, to serve lunch at Bennigan's or yeah. you know, to wait tables at some place. So I thought that was a really interesting phenomenon. Is that part of that there's enough theater to support them, or is that part of that the does the government support them like they do in, in, yeah, so, in, so, in England and the continent? Yeah, so not direct support, but there is government support for a lot of projects. So it's relatively easy to get a big grant from the Seoul Arts Council, which might underwrite your work as a director for a year or for 18 months. Wow. Um, so that's a pretty cool thing, I think. But but what that is coupled with is this drive for perfection, which I found really interesting. Uh, and so my rehearsals at school would be in the evening till ten o'clock, and then I would pack up and and, and start to head back to my to my place. And uh, my students would all stay. And I initially thought that was weird. I didn't really know what was going on, or I was worried about it. I was like, wow, they're running scenes without me here. What does that mean? What's going on? Are they trying to rework things? Because um, it was because there's a whole different style of Korean acting, which I, I can tell you about in a minute. But it really meant that my students, after their official rehearsal, which was from six to ten, finished, they would all stay for another two hours to rehearse, to practice amongst themselves, because they wanted to be perfect. They wow. wanted to be off book, and they wanted to make sure 
that all the scenes which we had gone over, uh, you know, were, were detailed and, and they added in a lot of little small touches and, uh, and, you know, really worked to get offline and stuff. So it was really, I was very impressed by that, by that work ethic, um, to really do the best you could. And, and, and so it really paid off in a lot of ways. Our show was really, really phenomenal and a really great, a great thing for the school. Uh, it really sort of lifted the whole school up to say, here's, here's a group of people acting in a style totally different from their own, acting in American style, but really making us believe that, but that they were, you know, that, that they were able to do this. It was great. You said that their, uh, their style is, is different, is unique. Well, a lot of times, uh, Will, you know, as a playwright, has had many shows done there, and uh, so his sense is you, as a playwright, you turn the script over, you hand the script in, and then the actors together sort of shape it and, and make it what they want and what they need for that particular moment in that particular theater. So when we started working on the, on the Dollhouse script, one of the actors said, well, thank you very much for the, for the translation, but we'll be saying the lines the way we want to, right? And I was like, well, no, you say the lines the way they're written. If you were doing Shakespeare, you would say, you know, to be or not to be and, and do the whole thing the way Shakespeare wrote it. Um, and then, you know, a couple of days later, when we started doing movement, he, the same actor, the oldest of the students, said the same thing. Oh, your, your blocking is very interesting, but we will be moving the way we, we need to move for the show. So it created this very interesting tension for me going, well, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> this is my, my job is I'm giving you movement to show you where I think the, you know, doing the visual storytelling of how the actors are relating to each other. Um, so it, so that was something that took us, uh, you know, a, a week or 10 days or so to, to learn and, and to come together that you couldn't just come in and improvise your lines. I had a girl playing the maid who would come in and say something and I would ask my translator, what did, what did she say? And she would say, oh, it's a beautiful day and I wonder who's going to ring the doorbell, you know, that, that sort of stuff, which is common for students. Uh, and I would say, you can't say that. And, you know, finally, she was like, well, that's how we always do it. We always improvise. We always say that. Where do they get that habit? Don't they have any directors? Yeah, very few. So directing oh. is a very young is a very young art form over there. So it's very well. I hope you cracked the whip in a, in a nice way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did, you know. But the country is in many ways, even though there's a history of a thousand years of of kings and 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 you know palaces and all that. It's still it's very young because the whole city was destroyed in the fifties because of the war. Yeah. So you know, so that's been a terrible legacy. So really, they've had you know, their own sort of Korean theater movement is very young because it's just has sprung up in the last uh, 30 years or so. And, you know, not, not that dissimilar from the off-Broadway stuff that was happening, you know, at that point in New York. But it's a very young, uh, very hungry culture. So for film and for music and for theater, uh, there's this huge energy, what they call the Korean wave. They're very, very popular. Korean performers are very popular throughout Asia. So... Um, so they don't really, you know, they're not concerned about what's happening. I mean, they're aware of what's happening here in New York or in London, but really their interest is developing properties which can be successful in Asia. Um, well, it sounds like we should be doing <laughs> we should be doing more exchanges with them. More yes. directors need to go, or maybe some of the actors, certainly the playwrights. Yeah, it would be fantastic for my students to get there. There were American students at the university when I was there, one or two. Uh, but they also had professors from Russia and Latvia and, you know, uh, all around the world, which is a great thing, I think, for the students. And and while I was in Seoul, there was a big international theater Olympics and there was an international puppetry 
Festival, and there was another international uh, touring uh, thing. All These are all sponsored by the state theaters, and very few of them had American uh, components because we don't have the grant dollars to tour shows well, the way that, that shows. We um, need to get to the uh, Korean community here in Chicago. There's a you know substantial Korean community exactly, here. Exactly, yeah. And see if we can work some things out with some of our theater groups. It's, that's something that I, I could see you jumping on to. Yeah, it's something I'm very interested in. It, it, you know, the, it took me by surprise. It's a beautiful city. It is, there's mountains everywhere. You know, even downtown, the whole city is built in this little, uh, right alongside this, the Han River, which is the size of the Mississippi, bisects the bisects the city. And you know, so this tremendous natural 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 beauty. Uh, a lot of people, you know, always outside hiking and biking and and really being in touch with nature, which is really which is really great. Um, and all this history and all this culture and all this all this drive and and money, you know, from companies like LG and Samsung. Uh, so they have a three percent unemployment rate and and just, yeah, they're doing very well. Aren't yeah, they? yeah. So well, tell us about London now. I mean, that's what you said about Korea was amazing. That's uh, I'm gonna have to do a lot of follow up on. Okay, this. good. Yeah, I'd love to continue talking. Maybe you can talk to Will Kern. Who's been over there and has a play, I think, still running. And, uh, you know, as I said, Kid Sister just ran here, but he is somebody who is really yeah. sort of working in both cities and can maintain. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to, yeah, connect up on that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because this is, this is a great story, but I want to, you know, I want to, I promised you we'd cover a couple other things. Absolutely. So, uh, so uh, tell us about London now. So, London, I went to a small theater, you know, very small, the sort of the opposite experience. Uh, above the stag is a theater that's above a bar. In London, and we have known those the artistic director and artistic team because they, for many years, brought shows to the Bailiwick Pride series under the banner of Shameless Boys, is what the theater was called beforehand. But they have this great space above a bar, right behind Billy Elliot, right by Victoria Station. And uh, so I did uh, a play called uh, The Irish Curse, which was ran off Broadway a couple years ago, or maybe a, a year and a half ago, and. Uh, was a script that we had workshopped at Bailiwick uh, several years ago, so I was able to uh, to go to London and direct the London premiere of that, and had a great a great a great cast and a really great time. Yeah, how were the uh, English actors to work with? They were a pain, and no, they were wonderful. They were really great. One of the things that's interesting about English the English uh, culture is, or the English theater culture, is that the I had in this very small theater, I had actors who were equity and non-equity because the union does not step in to make theaters closed shops, or uh, if that makes sense. As an actor, you can choose where you want to work. So if you're an equity actor and you want to work at a place that's not going to pay you, I mean, the theater that I was at was paying them. But that creates a whole lot of opportunities for people. So I had somebody, I had a gentleman who was, you know, easily in his 60s in this play who played the priest in this in this comedy we were working on, and he had worked you know, he was, he was Irish. He'd worked at the at the gate and all of the great Irish theaters, and he had been in London and worked at all the major playhouses. But this was a piece that caught his attention, and uh, and he was like, "Sure, I'm in." So I think that's also a really amazing thing if you could imagine that situation here that people actors could choose. You know, can I I want to work at? Uh, well, maybe someday. Uh, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, American unions are strong, and, yeah. and rightfully so in some ways. But it was an interesting phenomenon. So we had a great time, and, and I had to leave. You know, the morning after opening night to to get to Seoul. But it was really um, a lovely experience and a, a great cast and a great crew of people working on that. 
And I got to spend a lot of time in the London Fringe Theatres, which I'd never really done before. I saw a lot of West End shows like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and I went to the to the Old Vic and the National Theatre. And those guys are, are doing fine, but I really had not in, in times uh, before, on trips before, I hadn't really spent any time in the smaller smaller venues. And that is also something I would encourage people to, to do. Really great work being done in small theaters. I've heard that from people that spend a lot of time in in living in in London, that after a while they go to the small thing because they've seen everything else, and then they discover a lot of really great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And more and more, the West End houses are sort of uh, as they are in New York. They're they're dominated by musicals made from movies. So you yeah. have Flashdance and Ghost the Musical, and and you know a lot of Tupac musicals. Have you discovered a couple of good shows to maybe bring over here? I have. We're yeah. going to do uh, we're going to do a series of uh, gay plays for Pride Films and Plays. We're doing readings of stage stage readings of plays. So we're doing a yeah. UK tell us about this organization. That was one of the things that I put together with John Naska, who's a, who's a wonderful guy, and Patrick Rabarczyk. We were all, you know, talking about uh, this dilemma uh, in in gay in gay arts. Uh, that, you know, it seems like a, there's still this huge hunger and this need for gay and lesbian stories, which are fresh stories and new stories, stories that everybody should be taken to. You should take your, you know, stuff that's important to the community, but also stuff that you want to bring your family to and your coworkers to and the people from church. Everybody should see it because there's still these stories about parenting and don't ask, don't tell. And, you know, there's so many stories that, that in America are, we're still so conflicted about gay and lesbian issues. It was really interesting for me to be out of the country and watching the discussion about Don't Ask, Don't Tell from overseas and seeing how, how cruel and ruthless some of the conversations uh, are. Yeah, it's worked fine in almost every army in the world. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we decided to just put this organization together, which is linking writers from across the country into this network uh, we call Films and Plays, Pride Films and Plays. And we did a screenplay contest. And uh, and got so you know almost a hundred screenplays from around the country, and uh, through our contacts with film people or theater people that we've worked with, and through Facebook and you know all the social networks, we put together a team of readers from around the country who had film and theater experience. So they were able to put together a list of fifteen semifinalists and then five finalists for the screenplay contest, and and those screenplays were read at the center in Halstead. Uh, while I was gone, there was a little weekend that uh, that we called the finale weekend, and John Naska put together a cast of professional actors to read these screenplays from top to bottom. And I think the writers had a fantastic time that they had never really had their work done by professional actors in a you know in a great setting like the theater at Center and Halstead. Um, yeah, that gives your that gives your uh, your screenplay life, right? And you yeah, see, absolutely. You yeah, see they, what works and what doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody learned a lot. And, you, you know, as a writer, you sort of put readings together with your friends or whatever. So this was a really great way for them to interact with each other and, uh, and to see the screenplay in a different light. And then for us to promote these screenplays to producers around the country. So I know we have someone who's very interested in, in a couple of the scripts. And obviously, we don't have the money to get them made, but they should be made. And, and the stories were really new and really Well, I hope you're contacting uh, some of the cable networks because I know a lot of them are crying for programming. You can only see, you know, Band of Brothers so many times. You exactly. Know, you know. And you would think they would, they, you know, especially if these are Really strong stories are not necessarily, you know, naked boys running around stories. Yeah, you know, and that that yeah. genre was fine for what it was. Yeah, for but, what it was. But yeah. sometimes when you go to the video stores, that's still what you see. All the new gay movies are, 
you know, uh, have bare-chested guys on the cover and all that sort of stuff. And as I said, that's fine, but I do think there is a, a, is a quality storytelling that's missing, and it gets done in Hollywood when it has straight talent attached to it. So, you know, bravo for the kids are all right, but, you know, really, Annette Benning and, you know, Julianna Moore, would that have been interesting to see Ellen DeGeneres and, and Natasha, you know, performing those roles, I think would have been really amazing. Yeah, it sure uh, would have. Yeah, so so there's still that really interesting, you know, thing happening in Hollywood that, that gay projects with straight actors get greenlighted or and gay actor, straight actors who play gay characters get Oscars. Uh, but for whatever reason, there's still this fear or, or something. Um, so it's been interesting for me to sort of get to know people here in the in the in the film community. Uh, Brenda Webb at Chicago Filmmakers has been a great help for us. Um, and now and now we're doing the same thing with plays. So coming up March third through six, we have our or the great play the great gay play contest, which is five readings of five um, uh, plays that were submitted to us. Uh, amazingly, two of the writers are from Chicago, which of course we're not looking at when we're reading the scripts. We're just everyone's reading them blind. Well, that's um, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they're really fun, a really interesting range of, of pieces that are, you know, some are dramas, some are comedies. So tell us where there. this is now so people can, uh, it's, uh, March 3rd through 6th at the center on Halstead. Okay. So there's a, a different reading Thursday, Friday, on Saturday, there's a four o'clock and a seven o'clock and a Sunday at four o'clock. So there's five different, uh, nights you can attend. And this is again with the professional actors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is our team of actors. Uh, Eddie Torres, who directed Chad Deity, is directing. Uh, Liz Pazic, who's a wonderful actor-director, sure. has one of the projects. John Nasca and Patrick and I have the other. So it's going to be fun to see the plays. You know, it's just limited staging, but time to feedback, you know, have feedback with the directors. And uh, and I think the programs are really, really great. So I'm excited to see what people think about well, them. You well, brought, you brought so many uh, great plays in your days at Bailiwick. But that, but the issue is, my days at Bailiwick were, you know, um, you, because you're juggling so many things, you have piles and piles of scripts that go unread. Yeah. And I know when I went to Steve Scott's office at the Goodman, you know, he's got scripts from floor to ceiling, in you know, in twenty different piles. So, uh, for having been an administrator for so long, I understand that people don't have time or don't have staff people to go through the scripts. So, what we want to do with the play contest is just again using readers. Around the country, Jeremy Cohen in, in Minneapolis, Doug Finlayson in St. Louis, Brian Fonseca in Indianapolis, uh, Peter Bull in London. You know, we really want to be able to tell the theater community every spring or every January, you know, in March, here are five scripts that are ready to go. And so that was something that made me really happy is when we sent out our press release with the five finalists, immediately we got requests from theaters asking to read the scripts. Wow. Um, and that's that. so that's what we're trying to do is just sort of be a reading group and some a group that's focused on writing to uh, to really illuminate things because it's hard for for writers who don't have uh, New York connections or don't have an agent or haven't had equity yeah, production. Tell it's us what to, you would uh, what you would advise them to do. I I would just continue to find different ways. I'm I'm thrilled that people are waking, making like web movies and and you know using their their own their flip phones to make movies and 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 writing their own plays i think that's absolutely essential that that artists continue to to take the you know storytelling in their own way and shape their own stories the way they need to because it's just too hard uh in the, you you can't just wait for some you know the goodman to pick you up out of the out of the blue as a new playwright and and produce 
you know, your, your work if no one's heard of you. So you have to start with these contests. You have to start at the small theaters. You have to, you know, break the rules a little bit. But, um, like, you know, writers are just... Um, and how would they get scripts to you? Uh, everything goes through our website. Okay. Uh, so a lot of what I was doing, I was doing while I was in Korea. I was reading scripts because people are sending PDF files, and, and then I was emailing them to people around the country. So it's so great. And we were talking to people on Facebook. And, and So give us the URL. Uh, uh, pridefilmsandplays.com. That's easy enough to remember. Yeah, pridefilmsandplays.com. So it's a new type of organization, so it's really been fun for us to sort of explain to people that that eventually we'll probably do full productions of things. Uh, you know, we, we would love to be in the position when we have our play festival that, to pick, take the winning play and do a full production of it. But we're, you know, a year or two away from that. We're just taking But that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal. Good. And Good. I think that's the goal of the center in Hofstra. They As you know, I, I love new plays. I, I just get so tired of seeing the same, you know, yeah. plays 20 times over. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you have something coming up in April, you mentioned. Yes, I'm doing a play, a new musical uh, for Elaine Latronic, who's the producer, called Generations to Generations. And it's a musical that is that I think has tremendous potential across the country because it's about women, uh, three generations of women, a grandmother, uh, a mother, and, a, and an unborn you know, grandchild. Uh, and it's, it's pretty powerful. It really tells those stories. It's, it's this, this family is a Jewish family, so it's sort of, is the grandma sort of recalling where they've come from and telling stories of their past and, and trying to celebrate, you know, and the history of the family. Do we know the, uh, the writers or the, uh, Karen, uh, Karen Javits is from Omaha. So this is a project that's coming out of, out of Nebraska. But I think if we help them, you know, they understand that Chicago is a huge launching pad for many, many things. So I think if we can get them, uh, you know, depending on how it goes here, I think they have a they have a product which would be welcome at you know Northlight and every other theater in the world. Well, they got the right has. guy directing it because you you've uh, you started a lot of shows that 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 ended up doing yeah, very well. Absolutely. Tell us in the last minute or two we have, but tell us some of those shows that you're proudest of that well christmas schooner of course was yes. was the big thing that really went on and, and has done so well across the country and and i hope will continue to be to be done it was really fun to do that in such a small space and i think everybody who saw those performances remembers the warmth and and the family camaraderie of those shows well the, one of my all-time favorite shows yeah 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 um and then um you know, I think we also did really well with sort of doing the Chicago premiere of uh, some of the bigger musicals from Broadway. So Parade, I think, really has yes. touched a lot of people and Kiss of the Spider Woman. And, mm-hmm. of course, you know, the, the Jerry Springer was the American premiere of that of that thing. So I think people love those big theaters. Dr. Sex Space. is another one I like. Dr. Sex, yeah. Went off to New York after we did it. And, and uh, they, didn't they learn a lesson in the sense that I remember you telling me that they a bunch of other people took over the show and just butchered it yeah they made it made it they changed it it was so good leaving here i mean not just me chris hattie everybody that reviewed it it. but i think you said it exactly you know on the head a few minutes ago when you said oh you you, you keep seeing the same story again and again i think people in new york as well as people in california they read new material and they and uh, and a movie's a big hit so a movie like juno is a big hit, so everybody's looking for their version of Juno. And it's like, you don't understand that we've already seen that story, so we want to see something else. Well, that's that. that insecurity, right? They're right. so worried about putting the dollar up. 
So I think in New York, the guys who had picked up Dr. Sex wanted to make it more like other musicals and had other things that they wanted to, to make it like. And I feel like you should celebrate the uniqueness of of that product. Don't make it like anything else. Uh, so, yeah, so I saw it in New York, and it was really sort of lifeless and, uh, you know, and, and, and just odd. Because it was, it didn't, you know, I think we celebrated the Larry Bortnicker and Sally Deering, who also wrote Bombs Away that Bailiwick did at last, mm-hmm. uh, Mary's Attic. You know, I think they have a very unique point of view and a very strong point of view. So I felt like my job was just to celebrate their uniqueness and not try to make it like every other musical. Um, well, you so, know, when are they going to learn to listen to us? Uh, uh, I guess they finally did with a couple of the Steppenwolf shows that have gone to New York. But yeah, they ought to well, listen to all of us. We know how to do theater in this town. Exactly. And I think that's a and, – and the critical voice is a big part of it. I think that's one of the things that Will Kern and I talked about in Solar. There really are no critics. So I think we have – as theater artists here, we have long-term relationships with Chris and Hetty and, and you and other writers, Larry Bomber. You know, yeah. so when Larry Bomber says something about a gay play – uh, you you know you understand where he's coming from, and he's been seeing gay plays for thirty years. I so, learn from him every time I talk to him. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. amazing. And, yeah. and the same thing with Jones. I think Jones is obviously writing for his audience and, and making sure that he's writing about things that he knows people who read the Tribune are going to appreciate. But there's also this sort of long term dialogue that he has with a Tracy Letts or he has with a Tina Landau or or Martha. Uh, Martha Levy, you know, he's the stuff he writes and the way he writes it really how it develops this interchange between the critical community here, you know, and Hetty. It's amazing for me to see how she has grown uh, and, and her willingness to uh, to try new things and and uh, and and her for support of gay and lesbian material. You know, there's just it's just a, a, something that really is important. And sometimes the theater critics, you know, the theater artists here all yell at the critics and say, oh well. You know that you don't understand us and you don't support us, but really, you guys do. Well, we try. Most most of us try. There's occasionally, you know, one or two that are trying to prove they're writers or whatever. But most of the time, I think the core of the reviewers are are people who love theater, and and we we look for the reasons to like a show. Exactly. At least I do. Yeah, and and you understand the hard work and and the lack of money that people are are making in the industry, and and uh, and that comes across in their work on stage. It's all blood, sweat, and tears. It sure is. A plank and a passion, all that stuff. We're about out of time, David. Okay. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Tom. Uh, And and let's uh, let me know when Will is in town because this Korean thing sounds it's hot. And I got to get to some of those readings in March if I if I can. That sounds like they're going to be interesting. Yeah, they're really great material. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, folks, and go see a play this week.